Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us. And I pray that as we begin our time of worship and celebration in a corporate setting here, that, God, we would cast all our cares upon you. That during this time when we sing the songs of the faith and we go deep within our hearts with the words, that become more than words, but, Father, our expressions of our faith in you and our dependence upon you. And then as we sing these words, and Father, as we listen to your words, we hear the prayers, every single element of this time of worship, Father, I pray that we will put the cares on the side and be able to hear you clearly, that you will take care of us, and you will encourage us, that we ourselves will be humble before you, the Creator God. For Father, we all who are believers in you are held in your hand and you will take care of us. So this morning, I pray for the power of your spirit to move mightily, to move in our midst as we lift up our voices to you, that God, we will experience you, we will experience your unconditional love. Father, we will have joy and inner peace. May this be a day of celebration. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for being at First Baptist Church, Sun City West. I uh, hope and pray that today you've prepared yourself to meet God, and I pray that you will be listening to His Spirit and also engaged with the singing of the beautiful songs that give praise to the one and only Almighty. If this is your very first time to be here, we'd love for you to take the guest card in the pew in front of you. If you haven't already filled one out, drop it in the offering box when you leave today so we could acknowledge your being with us. We would certainly appreciate it. Right now I'm going to ask you if you would to stand and let's continue our time of worship and celebration. If you indeed cast all your cares on him, then you are ready to sing to the king who is most worthy. Sing to the king who is coming to Jesus is all we need. 
pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Dear Lord, just pray now that each and every one of us have an open heart and open mind to hear everything that you have for us today, dear Lord, because you are all we need. Dear Lord, just pray now that you continue to lead us, guide us, direct us this coming week. I'll lift Brother Kirby up to us. He brings a message. And what wonderful music we have already sung today in praises to you. Dear Lord, just keep Nancy in our, in our prayers as she continues to lead in the, the, the music for us, dear Lord, in the worship. For all these things we ask in your holy and precious name. Amen. Our next is actually a scripture song for you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and a holy nation if you're unfamiliar with it we sing through it twice so just listen the first time and then sing with us on the second for you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 
nation of peculiar people that you should throw forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness out of darkness out of darkness into his marvelous light into Chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth praises of Him who has called you out of darkness, out of darkness, out of darkness, into into his marvelous light. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my hope. Without him I would fall. When I am sad to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, my friend in trial sore. I go to him for blessings and sunshine and the rain. He sends the harvest golden grain. Sunshine and rain, harvest of grain. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to him and true to him I'll be.
think that was new for some of you. I'm going to give you another chance to sing it with us. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. And I will ever praise you. Our scripture reading for today is from <clears throat> excuse me, Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Please follow along and be blessed by the reading. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from out under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession I am the Lord. We are lifted up by these verses and rejoice knowing these are the words of the Lord.
their chains were fastened tight down at the jail that night still Paul and Silas would not be dismayed they said it's time to lift our voice sing praises to the Lord let's prove that we will trust him come what may God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing round you when the fiery darts surround you when despair is all you see God wants to hear your voice when the wisest man has spoken and says your circumstances as hopeless as can be that's when God wants to hear you sing. He loves to hear our praise on our cheerful days when the pleasant times outweigh the bad by far. But when suffering comes along and we still sing him songs, that's when we bless the Father's heart. I want to hear you sing in the place of Christ around you when the fiery dawns surround you when despair is all you see. God wants to hear your voice when the wisest man has spoken and said your circumstances as hopeless as can be. That's when God wants to hear you sing. God wants to hear you When the fiery darts surround you, when despair is all you see, God wants to hear your voice. When the wisest man has spoken and says your circumstances as hopeless as can be, that's when God wants to hear you sing. That's when Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for the opportunity to sing. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to have time to speak specifically to you, to be encouraged. That the one who created us in his image allows us the ability to have that personal interaction 
and to know that you love us and that you want us to be involved and engaged with you in your purposes. And so, Father, we're honored and we thank you. And I pray that this morning, again, we will hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. 1976, I was sitting in the doctor's office and uh, he was doing a physical as I was getting ready to go to, uh, to college. And I'll never forget him coming in and uh, telling me that uh, my blood pressure was really high for an 18-year-old. I think it was like 220 over 110. And uh, he, uh, he began the process of trying to figure out exactly what was going on. And that's when they discovered that I had that kidney disorder. I uh, was all said and done. I had about 26.5% kidney function at age 18. At the same time, there was a guy by the name of Ricky who was 16 years old. He lived in Indiana, just kind of going through his high school days. As I went on to college and uh, under the care of a doctor, um, God called me to preach. And about the time that God was calling me to ministry, this guy by the name of Ricky was beginning his naval career. He was an enlisted man in the Navy, focused for the next, I think, 25 to 30 years with the submarines. Most of his time was underwater. It's interesting how you have these lives that are not connecting at all. And yet the years continue to go until a time came when uh, we really felt God leading us to uh, moved to Florida if he opened the opportunity because my mother-in-law had passed. My father-in-law had had a quadruple bypass surgery. Uh, it was difficult since he was the only one there to, to keep track on his health the way that we should. And um, God opened up an opportunity in 2010. So our intent and our purpose we felt was ministering to this church in Palaka, Florida and my wife being able to take care of her dad. And so as we headed that track, that was what our understanding was. Um, it was interesting that we moved there in, uh, in the spring, about March of 2010. And this guy by the name of Ricky relocated to Palaka in April of 2010. So we went through the process of striving to, uh, to do everything that we needed to do for Deb's dad, which, which happened, and it was a good time, and his health recovered. But there was an underlying purpose in addition to what we understood God's plan to be. And that underlying purpose was that God was bringing these two individuals together. About five years into my ministry there, my kidneys failed, went on two years of dialysis, and through those two years, what we found was that, uh, that there was a transplant needed. And so I sent out an appeal, and this guy by the name of Ricky on Facebook said, well, I'm your guy. I had met him one time in a hospital. He was a volunteer chaplain from the local church, uh, a local church there, and and I had met him and talked to him a little bit, but that was three or four years before that. And he said, I'm your guy. And so for the next 22 months, we tracked together through three different institutions, 
medical care to try to zero in on a transplant where I would be accepted and he would be accepted. And finally, the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida said, that's it. You're both qualified. And within three months, and just celebrated the sixth anniversary of that transplant in 2017, God brought together this amazing plan for a purpose that it was going to continue to encourage Ricky in the ministry to which God had called him in that community, which he continues to this day and continues to flourish, and allowed me to continue to serve in the ministry to which God had called me so many years ago. Well, that was never in my plan. That was never a concept. And yet, what we find is that God had his plan. He was directing all of those steps of two people meeting together at a clinic that only has three locations. Rochester, New, uh, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Florida. And guess where God called me to preach? Arizona, Phoenix, the third location of the Mayo Clinic, where they can keep track and follow me all the way through. I could not have scripted that any different, any better. But you see, that's what God does. When we open ourselves to God and desiring to do what God wants, it never says it's going to be easy, and it doesn't say you're not going to run into bumps along the way and that you're not going to have crises. What he says is that I want to invite you to be a part of my work, whatever that means. And his purposes are not necessarily what God's will for my life is, but that I'm obedient to him to be used by him to accomplish his purposes in work, what his will is for this world. Last week I addressed four of the seven realities of experiencing God with the example of Moses. And today I want to hit the last three of those. If you remember, the first one was that God is already at work around Moses. And he continues to be at work around us as well. He heard the Israelites' pain. Secondly, God pursued a continuing love relationship with Moses that was real and personal. <coughs> He was not a creator that created and then left. He's a creator that continues to be intimately involved with your life where you are. Not in somebody else's life for you, but in your life. We find that God said, you know what? I'm going to let Moses know who I am now. And there was the burning bush. And through the burning bush, and as we see throughout the, uh, the, the Pentateuch, that God continued to interact with Moses and pursued that continuing love relationship. And it was real, not fictitious. And it was personal because he knew his name. He had an assignment for him. And Moses was not extraordinary in that sense because every one of us, God knows our name, and he has a purpose for us. It might not be leading people to freedom on a different continent, but it might be something as simple as being that light in your community, or coming along somebody who needs your encouragement and your help and your wisdom 
your prayers, but that you're willing to step out and be used of God in such a powerful way. Number three, God invited Moses to become involved with him in his work. It wasn't that God was just going to do the work. He could have if he wanted to, but he wanted to invite Moses to be a part of accomplishing what his desire was. And that's exactly what he wants to do for each of us. God said to Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. That was his plan. And number four, God spoke to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. God spoke to Moses to bring about that revelation of who he was. I am who I am, he says. And his purpose is, I'm going to take the people of Israel who are being enslaved, and I hear their groanings, and I'm going to take them to the land that I had coveted, coveted to them with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And his ways, well, Moses, I'm going to use you to accomplish these things. So God revealing himself, his purposes, and his ways was not the end of this process. We find that the fifth of these processes of experiencing God is this, that God's invitation to Moses to work with him led to a crisis of belief that required faith and action. And you can only imagine in your mind if you can the burning bush, God speaking to Moses, as I said last week, it was the first time that God had spoken in this way in 200 years. The last time was with Jacob. And so Moses had no clue of what this experience would be like. We have the ability every single day to go before God in prayer and to hear God speak to us. Moses did not have that opportunity. But God spoke to him through the burning bush. And he had an assignment for him. And that brought about a crisis of belief. And I promise you that when God speaks to us and he moves us or wants to move us out of our comfort zone, that it's going to lead to a decision, a crisis of belief. Should I do this or not? Now, Moses did not just automatically say, absolutely, God, I am here for your service. If you go on into uh, Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4, uh, we find these excuses that Moses gave. He said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, he's saying, I'm nobody. I'm simply a shepherd on the other side of the wilderness in the middle of nowhere. That was his first excuse. Who am I? Verse 13 of chapter 3 said, Well, suppose then I do go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? That next excuse says, Well, I, I don't have the knowledge. You, you know, some people don't share their faith in Christ with others because they say, I don't know what to say if they respond back. If they have a question, I'm not sure I can handle that question. It's a simple excuse. I don't have the knowledge to do what you're asking me to do, God. In verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, Well, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? In other words, you're lying. 
What he's really saying is, I don't have the confidence. I don't have the confidence in my ability, and I don't have the confidence in your ability. Quite an interesting statement. In verse 10, he says, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So what was he saying? He said, I, I don't have the words to say. I'm not skilled. I don't have the training. I couldn't stand before the king of Egypt, one of the most powerful nations of the world, and look him in the eye and be able to communicate. I would stumble and stammer and I just can't do it. verse 13 of chapter 4 he finally gets to the root he says oh Lord please send somebody else to do it <laughs> oh that's where we really get to all of these excuses the bottom line is he says God frankly I don't want to do it send somebody else When God allows us the opportunity to say, hey, I want to be a part. I want to use you to accomplish my purpose. I'm inviting you to come and be involved. And we don't feel like we have the words to say or we're the right person. That We don't, we don't really feel like that we have the status. Or we don't have the knowledge. When it really comes down to it, what we really want to say is, God, I want you to find somebody else. And we preface it by saying, I want you to find somebody else who's better qualified. So now, you're telling God, the Creator, what He should have done in the first place, right? And what you're really saying to God is, God, I don't trust you. Here, God's given the invitation to join him, to move out of our comfort zone, and all of a sudden we have this idea, this understanding that I, I cannot do this. I'm, I'm not qualified. But you're also saying, God, I doubt you, that you're qualified to be able to empower me to do what you have invited me to do. So it really begs the question for each of us, is God really able to do what he says he will do in my life? Moses' crisis called for faith and action. When he came to the crux of the matter and he began giving his excuses, the reality is that, that what he simply needed to do was just show his faith in God but that is coupled with action. We can say all day long, I believe, I have faith God can use me, but unless we let go and let him use us, it says nothing. <coughs> the writer of Hebrews gives an excellent insight into this part of Moses' life. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 29 
It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Here we find Moses' faith is described by the writer of Hebrews. It was a model of self-sacrifice and trust in the Almighty. There came a point in time in this crisis of belief that Moses had to make the decision I'm either going to trust him or I'm not going to trust him. And obviously, we see from the writer of Hebrews, and we see in the book of Exodus, that Moses worked through his crisis of belief, all of his questions, all of his excuses, and came to a place of major decision that I trust God. And if he calls me, to be involved and invites me to be involved in his work, whatever it is, then whatever I can do, I'm going to give myself to him. And once God let Moses know what he was about to do, which was to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, that revelation became Moses' invitation to join in. Recently, I... Uh, received an, uh, a secured email from one of our IMB missionaries sharing with me what she had to do in escaping uh, conflict within the country that, that uh, she was in. And um, having spent three days at the border trying to get across, finally secured, she said, God has led my national partner and I to set up a refugee camp and to minister to these through our mission agency who are coming across all these refugees. And she said, I, I would love if this would be a mission opportunity that First Baptist Church, Sun City West would be a part of. And you know, it hit me, because we get lots of mission requests to do all kinds of things. But I tell you what, that just spoke to me. God spoke clearly to me. And as I, I shared that with the co-chairs of our, of our missions team, that was one of the things they said, absolutely. This is what God is doing right now. He's at work there. We need to hear what God says. We need to be so attuned to God that even in the midst of our crisis of belief, when we come settled to the idea that when God presents an invitation for us to be involved, 
You know, can we afford that financially? Can we, can we uh, do that with our, our physical strength? Are we too frail to accomplish that? Is our mind sharp enough? There's so many things that when God calls each of us to be a part of his work that go through our minds, so many excuses we could put in. But the reality is if we hear what God says and there is a settled piece in there that says this is where God's working, he's now inviting us to come and be a part of that. We need to make those decisions and be engaged. When God reveals what he's about to do, and it means that we have to move out of our comfort zone, the question always is, are we willing? Do you believe that God will empower you to do what he has invited you to come and join him in his work to accomplish? That's a question that each one of us has to, has to answer when God invites us. And the last of the seven realities of experiencing God, is we find with Moses that he had to make major adjustments in his life to join God in what he was doing. Exodus chapter 4, verses 19 and 20 says that the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt, for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. For 40 years, Moses had been on the backside of nowhere, taking care of the sheep, flocks, whatever they had, whatever Jethro's father-in-law, that was his domain. But when God invited him at the burning bush, to join him in what he was about to do and God was going to get it accomplished regardless but Moses was honored enough that God said to him I want you to be a part of this when he went through the crisis of belief and he made his decision he chose then to saddle up and head back to a place that he wanted no part of before leaving the old life behind because he would never return again. Because God had a task for him. It was going to take 40 years. God may have a task for you. He's inviting you to be a part of. It could be for a week. It could be for a month. Who knows what it would be like. But you would be a part of what God is calling you to do. But you, you have to make that adjustment. And sometimes it's not easy. So Moses made the necessary adjustment to orient his life in the place where God could use him. He allowed himself to be removed from what he knew, what he enjoyed, the pattern of his life, every day he got up to do the same type of thing. And God was going to move him. But Moses said, I just need to be where God needs me to be. And so he was going to, he was going to Egypt. Left his job, left his in-laws. 
He left everything. And I wonder about yourself. Some of you left everything to move here. When you retired, you said, this is the place. And so you left family, you've left friends, you came here to, uh, to the greatest spot in the world. Uh, I don't know about July and August, but uh, we, we still enjoy the sun. And you came to a place where you said, gosh, retirement's going to be great, and yet I still want to serve the Lord. And so he placed you here in a community of Sun City West that, uh, as we've said over and over, around eight or nine out of every ten people are lost. They don't know Christ. And that's true of the greater Phoenix area as well. And God desires the lost to come to know him. And he desires us to, to bring them into the body of Christ, to have fellowship and to encourage them and to help them no matter what is happening. And so even in these days, in the season of this life, I would ask you, make yourself available so that when God comes and says to you, this is what you ought to, you ought to, you ought to, you ought to teach this class. Your, your neighbor, I think that God impresses you to say, I, I need to go check out that neighbor. I need to go and say, hey, is there anything that you need? There might be a greater purpose that uh, I, I, I know some have for some of the homeless in, the, in our greater Phoenix area. How can I be involved in that? Because God has put that on my heart. There's some in our congregation that, that God has talked to them and spoken to them about uh, the New Life Pregnancy Center and how we can be engaged and involved in that. About missions down in Mexico. There are so many areas that God is working in, that he has purposes in, and he wants people who are willing to say, God, I am available to you. If you invite me to go, I'm going to make the adjustment to accomplish that. Moses was a servant who was moldable, and he remained at God's disposal as God chose to use him. He didn't try to dictate things, say, God, I think this would be a better plan for the Israelites. He just said, I'm here. And he was there to be faithful, no matter what the circumstance over those 40 years. Because it was a trying time for him. But he remained faithful and obedient. And so it begs the question, are you willing to make the major adjustments to be used of God? The seventh reality, we find that Moses came to know God by experience as he obeyed and accomplished his work through Moses. As you read through uh, the early text of the Old Testament, in Ex Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, what you, what you see is that God continues to interact with Moses throughout that time. 
There's no longer this just silence of 200 years, this ongoing, continuing love relationships, this, this conversation that takes place. As Moses obeyed God, God accomplished through Moses what Moses could not do on his own. Moses had given the litany of excuses that were probably correct. But God said, I can overcome that. And Moses agreed. And so when God speaks to you about doing something, being involved in this work, you might give some really good excuses, and they are as valid as they can be. But you have to go back and say, but God, if you are inviting me to do this, then you're going to help me overcome any obstacle I might face in this season of my life to accomplish your desire. One of the great examples comes out of Exodus chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. In that passage of scripture, it's when the Israelites were at the edge of the Red Sea and the Egyptians were behind them with their great army. And it's been described that there were mountains or difficulties on either side, so their only way was to turn around and fight or to go forward, but you had the Red Sea there. And the people were grumbling and complaining already. <laughs> they had just gotten out of Egypt and they were already complaining. And Moses, he communicated with God and just, if I could just say this word. God came and said, Moses, stop whining. In verse 15, he said, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Move forward, he says. So God saw Moses in this difficult place, and yet he said to Moses, move forward. And guess what Moses did? He stretched his staff out. He stretched out his arms. And the winds began to blow. The Bible says later in, in, uh, in chapter 14 that they blew all night long. And the water came up as walls of water. And the, the ground, the bottom of the Red Sea became dry. And the people of Israel were able to walk all the way through on dry ground. And that, don't mistake in it, you got 600,000 to 2 million people going across that, that took some time. And when the Egyptians tried to follow, the waters, just like God said would happen, came over them and crushed them, and they drowned. It's an example of many examples that... Uh, 
that we'll talk about this summer of how God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt to the land of promise and how God used this man who in reality was kind of an ordinary man although he had amazing beginnings but he had been in the back of the wilderness far from anywhere for 40 years and God knew him and he had a plan for him even all those years before and God's got a plan for you that you may not know he may have had this plan all the way along the line just getting to the right place to the right point where now he says it's time I'm about to do and accomplish my purpose now I want you to come and be involved of all the persons that you see in the scriptures they were all ordinary people their relationship with God and and the activity of God is is what made them extraordinary <coughs> when we are available to God for him to call us and use us we're never ordinary we are extraordinary as well in the spiritual realm we're right where God wants us to be to accomplish what his purpose is in this world anyone who will take time to enter into an intimate relationship with God and see God do extraordinary things through their lives and touch the lives of people that you will never forget and it will change their lives as well and I wonder this morning I wonder this morning if you might be one of those individuals that God has been speaking to and you haven't quite decided God, I'm willing to make that major adjustment. And I want to remind you that when you choose to stay in the comfort zone when God has invited you, and you choose to stay in a place that doesn't rattle your feathers, that you might have just communicated your actual belief in God. That he can do those things through everybody else, just not me. And what you're really saying is, God, I don't think you can. And so for all of us here today, not a one-time experience, we should always be available to what God wants us to do. And when he says, this is where I want you to be involved, this is what I'm inviting you to do, we should always be available to be used by him to accomplish his purpose. And this morning, in our invitation, I'm asking you, if you would commit yourself to be available to him no matter what but to show your faith and your trust in him through faith and action 
Say, God, I'm ready, willing. I'm going to serve you. I'll never forget that post on Facebook where Ricky Bybee, my donor, said, I'm your man. And that's what we ought to say to God. I'm your child, and I'm ready, no matter what it takes. Father, as we go into our time of invitation, I pray that we would make the decisions to be available to you, to allow you to use us in whatever way, without excuse, but just say, God, you know my infirmities, you, you know what's going on in my life this season, but, but God, I make myself available to be used by you in any way. Because if you tell me and invite me, I know you are going to empower me. And so God, use me. Use me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand and let's sing our invitation hymn. Oh, so are you no light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Let's go ahead and be seated if you would. I just want to, to remind uh, all of you that uh, our Experiencing God study started this past Thursday. If you have not, uh, did not make the first session, uh, come on ahead. It's a flexible schedule. Just come this week uh, at 10 o'clock on Thursday. If you haven't picked up your, your notebook, if you wanted one uh, or another book, please uh, stop by the office or call Elizabeth. She'll make sure that you have that. If you got your books, make sure you're working through them every single day. It takes a little bit of time, but boy, what a journey it is. So I encourage you to, and look forward to seeing you on this Thursday. Ms. Nessie? You'll see on the back of your bulletin that tomorrow is Women's Fellowship Lunch and Game Day. 
Bring your lunch, ladies, at 12 noon and your box of dominoes if you have one. And we will just enjoy some fellowship time together. You will also see on the inside of your bulletin, we are introducing our newest staff member, Liz. Yes, we have an Elizabeth. Now we have a Liz. She is our newly hired financial administrative assistant, and you will get to know her. She is an answer to prayer, and we are happy to have her. Her first day was last Wednesday. If you go shopping at the grocery store and go by the cat and dog food aisle, if you don't have one, just pick up some food and bring it for our box, which is in the donation room. And all of those supplies are going to St. Mary's Food Bank. Our dogs and cats need to eat too, don't they? So please be encouraged to participate in just one thing for June. John, would you come? And we'll stand as John Morris comes to lead us in our closing prayer. join me in prayer dear Heavenly Father we thank you Lord for all the blessings you have bestowed upon us we thank you Father for life itself we thank you for the abundant life you've given us and most of all we thank you for the eternal life that you have provided for us through your son Jesus Christ Lord we know there's many on our prayer list here at the church father we pray that uh, those that have health issues that you would uh, give the doctors the wisdom and the knowledge how to treat them and then give the nurses tender hands to administer the treatment father we thank you lord for our pastor thank you father that uh, message he's brought today and we ask that you help us to, to uh, take it and apply it to our lives and uh, be a a better christian lord for you now we ask these things in jesus name and amen, amen. <clears throat> Thank you. 